Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of The Growth Garden, our podcast dedicated to cultivating your career progression and personal growth. I'm your co-host, Kevin. And before we start the show, please subscribe or follow our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, so we can make the show even better and bigger. And please leave a comment on topics you would like to hear us to talk about and learn about on this show. Hi, I'm your co-host Nikki, and I have the pleasure of introducing today's guest, Amar Galal, who is an accomplished film writer, director, and producer. He's described as the artist entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience in the media industry across the MENA region and Europe. Born and raised in Cairo, Egypt, Amar moved to the UK to pursue a filmmaking career obtaining a postgraduate degree in cinema production and filmmaking from the London Film Academy. He is the founder of 3010 Films, a creative advertising agency and film and media production house started in 2016. Amar has directed and produced content for international and multinational brands like Emirates Airlines, Google Dubai, Vodafone, and many, many more. He's also been a visitor tutor at universities and film schools, and his work has been selected for prestigious film festivals, including Cannes and Cine Global France. And you're actually nominated in Berlin this year, aren't you? Yes, we're actually officially selected, and we have the uh, premiere for our last film, Amplified. It should be next month in Berlin. Congratulations, and welcome no, thank to you our very podcast. Much. <laughs> We always love to start our podcast with getting to know you a bit better. And that's why we create this icebreaker where you have 30 seconds or roughly 30 seconds. We're not too harsh on that to okay. share with our listeners the following two things. One fun fact about your career and one fun fact about your personal life. So the fun fact about my career is shouting. Like being a director, you need to shout on set, figure out things. This is kind of a fun fact in, in, in my career. However, like shouting is not solving anything in terms of the artistic production process, but it's like comes with a package. And about my personal life, the fun fact is getting old and you just don't want to be convinced like, okay, I'm nearly 40. And I'm not convinced like I'm 40. I don't feel yeah. it. So, no, uh, <laughs> nobody only wants to. So after this, we go a little bit into your education and your career transition. So before you started your filmmaking journey, you actually initially studied marine engineering and worked yes. in the oil and gas sector. So yeah. what made you switch? from marine engineering to filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, so the idea was there all the time. I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was actually 12. That started when I first saw the Godfather uh, movie, the first part. I was 12 at that time, I believe. And at that time I was actually playing music as well. So I was like in a way into the art scene since I was a kid. And after I watched the film, I felt, oh my God, I want to be a director. However, I don't know what's the director meaning or what those people do but i felt like i want to be like behind the camera and i want to be the person who actually does those things and make films 
and because of like some family cultural thing like you need to be a doctor you need to be a lawyer you need to be an engineer whatever it is and engineering was the closest thing to my heart after art i, I always loved engines i'm a motor fan so i felt like okay if i'm not doing art if i'm not doing filmmaking let's do engineering then which is cooler for me. So I picked engineering, however, marine was kind of forced, especially that marine engineering is very specific. The family had this idea about like, okay, if you want to do engineering, do something like different and very unique. So I went for marine engineering, but all the time I had the idea of that I want to make films. I want to direct, produce, I want to write, I want to do music, whatever, like anything like relative to art I want to do. But um, I had to go to college and study engineering. I had to finish and wrap up engineering. And then afterwards, I, I decided like, okay, let's let's study again. But I didn't have the chance at the time. Like, you have to go to the real world. So I was supposed to work as a marine engineering officer on board vessels and ships. But I, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to spend half of my life on board ship. So I chose to go to the oil and gas, which is the, the, the same thing as marine engineering. I used to work on offshore rigs in the sea as a field engineer in one of the most like international, multinational companies, Halliburton. It's an American company. So I spent there like five, six years. And then I felt all of a sudden I had a back engineer because of my job. I had to spend around four or five months home without doing any work. And then they gave me a desk job. And I, I spent like two weeks in that job or three weeks max. And then all of a sudden I felt like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to pursue what I want. And then I quit <laughs> and I had no plan at that time. But all the time throughout my journey in, in college and in, in, in the oil and gas, I was doing things relevant to the uh, entertainment and media and art scene. I was like, I started off doing voiceovers and that was like 2002, 2003, somewhere in between. Okay. I was in college at that time and I was doing music as well, composition for jingles, radio ads, stuff like that. Even sometimes I used to sing it as well. And I had a band at that time. So I was performing like as a professional musician as well. So I, I wasn't kind of like in the scene in the field, but not doing what I want. There's casting somewhere and they want someone to do that role. And I go to that casting. They want someone who will be like a reporter in a TV channel. Okay, I'll, I'll go do that. However, all of them not directing, all of them not producing, but I'm just fe feeling like I'm getting closer uh, to what I really want. Then after I quit my job uh, in the oil and gas, I decided this is going to be my full-time job. This is what I want to do. How? I don't know. So I start by trying different things at that time. That was to be exact 14 years ago. But at that time I had a professional sound studio in Egypt. We were working on sound production for commercial advertising. And I had my band as well. We were like performing in different videos. And I was a partner in a small coffee house, but I always had this part of doing business as well. This part comes to the production because the production is all about numbers, business, money, how to spend money, how to get fund. Then I had the opportunity to do my postgrad studies in London, which I'm very grateful for. This is the real start for my career as a filmmaker. It was pretty tough at the beginning, many obstacles for me just to get there and start. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it happened. 
It was one of the best things that happened to me in my life. I owe London Film Academy a lot. They, they were always like have a special place in my heart, whether the school or the people. I started my career officially as a filmmaker, so I worked everything on set. Like I started from a runner to a boom operator, to sound engineer, to assistant camera, to assistant director, until I get to direct. And initially, my plan was to remain living in London. I love London, and it's a, a very deep place to my heart as well. But unfortunately, 2015, I had some family reasons that put me in the situation that I had to go back to Egypt. So I went there, and I had to start all over again. Before we go into you building your own production house, it'd be really interesting to hear about how your marine engineering background and your, I guess, oil and gas background influenced your approach to filmmaking? Or is it just something you then completely switched and you're like, actually, these two do not correlate at all? No, it wasn't. Being an engineer, this is one of the, the best things that happened to me. The engineering thinking is different and that gets your mind to be all over the place, which works very well with production as well. You need to be multitasker. You need to know how to do troubleshooting, which what, what actually you do in engineering. It's all about troubleshooting, try and error, reverse thinking and reverse engineering. So it was a huge influence in my career in production. That's one thing. And the other thing, like being in corporate, that much big, like Halliburton, taught me a lot because I've learned how to be an employee. I've learned to be disciplined. I've learned the systems. I've learned how to deal with people. So I actually gained my early experience and first experience in the professional kind of business world from this job. And afterwards, when I get to work in the commercial advertising uh, industry, it gave me the background of understanding the multinational corporates and multinational brands. So when I do a campaign with those brands or companies, I understand how it works from inside and I know yeah. how to communicate with them. There, there, there was a huge influence from my previous job or background, whatever we, we call it. Nikki alluded earlier, Amar, that you then went to London. And I guess we were very interested about your, your experience at the London Film Academy and how this has been, I guess, quite transformative for your next career step. So can you tell us maybe about a key moment or lesson from your time there that really shaped your career then in filmmaking um, after graduating from the London Film Academy? At, at the early beginning, when I started in, in the London Film Academy, they were interviewing me. And they have limited spots each year, like maximum 30 persons per intake. So they don't take like 1,000 students or something. And they want always to make sure that they get the right people and give them the chance and give them the space to learn and, and to do things. So they did ask me a question at that time. And they said like, okay, uh, you are an engineer. You have a bachelor degree in engineering and you just quit. Halliburton. So what's the guarantee that you, after you finish your studies in the Film Academy, you're not getting back there, like we mm. give you the spot and, and then you, you finish the study, whether you can afford or pay for the, for the, for, for the course, and then you're going to leave as well. So I said, uh, that was one of the most important po uh, uh, moments for me, because I said like, okay, guys, that's the only thing that I really, really, really from deep of my heart that I want to do right now. And if I don't have a penny in my pocket, I'm not getting back to engineering and not because I hate 
uh, engineering. No, I don't. I don't hate it, actually. But because my love for films and to this industry is way bigger than anything in the whole world. And this is what I really want to do. I live, I breathe, I think about films mm -hmm. all the time. I see everything in life, like in a film, kind of. And fast forward to the end of the course, I wasn't an A student in terms of like <laughs> doing things that the, 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 the school wanted. We were like three persons, like me, another two, one from Paris and the other guy in America. And we were all the time together and we were doing good, but we were like troublemakers. So I said, okay, you're happy now because we're leaving. And then the answer was kind of like a surprise for me because she said, actually, no, I'm so proud that you made it to the end. You're one of the best and we will always remember you and remember that group. It was That was a very special group. They were like proud because they did that to me and I didn't disappoint them. And mm. that was the second key moment for myself, fast forward mm. after I finished everything. So I, I think those two two moments were really important for, for, for me mm. with London Film Academy. You started your own company, 3010 Films, which is a significant achievement. What were the key factors for you to be like, okay, now I have my degree, I have all this knowledge in film, it's now time for me to set up my own production house? So basically, when I went back to Egypt, I was working as a freelancer, director, producer, like most of the, the people in, in, in this. And one moment I felt like, why do I have to wait always for an agency to commission me a job? Why do I have to wait all the time for someone to give me a brief so I get to produce? Why do I have to always pitch for directing a film? And I have this sense of doing business. I know how to sell. And that was like my early first job. I, mm -hmm. I used to work for one year in a, a shipping company and I was doing sales, key account sales. So I felt like, okay, let's open a company that can actually do production and just go there, grab the job and do it. So that was the motivation at the beginning. And then afterwards, this motivation started to transform because I felt like, okay, my bigger goal is to produce my own content, which could be films, could be TV shows, whatever it is. But I feel like always I can do my own stuff. So that's why the company is split into halves. One half is creative advertising agency and the other half is like the media film production, whether we like subcontracting and executing for others or producing our own stuff. So this is how it all started, like having a company. It was a big challenge. And if you look around in the filmmaking industry, you will find like lately, most of the significant filmmakers in the whole world They have their own production and they co-produce co and they, they work on the project all the time. So it's not just about directing, writing or producing. The term of a filmmaker means that you do more than one thing. Like if you write, direct, produce, you are a filmmaker. Most legendary directors or filmmakers, such as Francis Coppola, Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese, Ridley Scott, name it. All of them, they do produce, write, direct, co-produce sometimes for others as well. Like Christopher Nolan, for example, he did co-produce for Zack Snyder and The Man of Steel, the Superman, right? And he didn't direct it and he co-writes sometimes. So so that was the, 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 the motivation behind it. Like, okay, I want to do this. I want to take the, the, the job to the next level, the business level, not just being a director. 
would you say then that this is your competitive edge as a production house, being able to have multidisciplines that you are focusing on rather than just looking after the production, but rather bringing all these skill sets you just mentioned to the table? Is that what 3010 Films really makes it stand out from, from its competitors? I don't know. I'm not going to say like we, we were standing out, out in the market because the competition is so hard and there's so many people that they, they are good as well. I, I just moved to Dubai less than a year and a half now and I moved the company here as well. So we're kind of in a new market, a new challenge and everything. But I, I, I think what makes us stand out is the combination of different things that we're capable to do. And we, we, we always try to make things on our way. I'm not going to say different or not because mm. I, I, I just don't want to be different. I just want to be like who we are and what we want to deliver to the market. Yeah. And honestly, to leave a legacy as well. Like the, the most of the artists and the filmmakers, they, they get really appreciated after they leave our world, right? <laughs> so you're, you're going to spend your whole life trying to build your own legacy. And this legacy is because of what you give to the community and to people mm. in terms of your art. And mine is actually films. This is the first priority. Our strength point as well, because we can do different things. We can combine different things together and we can do it differently at some point. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing this. And could you share a pivotal project or milestone for your production house that you believe significantly contributed to your success? And we have heard, obviously, of the awards you've been awarded in the past. Is there any other thing than eventually awards that you've gained that, that you think has, have been pivotal to your, to your company? Yeah, there's too many projects that we've been involved in from the commercial side or from media production. Our own productions are not too many. We produced like two films so far as our own production, as 3010 production. So we had, uh, back in 2018, uh, a short film called Hayden. And that was a huge challenge for the company and for myself because that film was set in 1952. And this is very tough thing to do uh, with a limited budget as well because we were the people who's actually spending money on that film. We had a, a, a co-production with a jewelry brand as well at that time, but it was challenging. This film did well. It uh, got recognized in many good places as well. And then after a few years, we co-produced Amplified with um, another two companies, one in Jordan and one in Egypt. This film just started the festival tour with a big stop at Berlin. So those two films shaped my vision and how 3010 Vision in terms of two own and self-productions can actually do and can actually go. Because it's not easy always to pick the project as well. And for example, when I decided to co-produce uh, our latest picture amplified with other companies, it wasn't an easy because I'm a director as well. I have my own projects that I want to direct. But I felt like, just put yourself aside right now. Don't think as a director, think as a producer. We need to co-produce with other people. This is not the right time for your own project as a director. So I think that our film productions, it makes a huge difference in our strategy, our vision and mission and everything. And also, we've been involved in other commercial projects that were milestones for us. And like, for example, we just executed and produced, and I directed myself, a TV show last Ramadan, and Ramadan is the holy month in the Middle East, which is really important for our, the Arab people. So we produced a show, 30 episodes, and it was religious, actually, 
content. So doing a religion content, that was very challenging. That was the first time for me to do anything such that. Mm. And doing this in a very cinematic aspect and visual as well, that was another challenge. And all of a sudden, we found the content number one in viewership all across the region, all across the Gulf and Egypt. However, it's completely different visual and different concept and execution from all the things that we've done even before. So I think that one was a milestone as well and it shaped a little bit like how we can always look at the projects and see different things and layers in, 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 in those projects. So I know that the film industry is obviously known for its demanding schedules and as we progress in our podcast, we sort of want to move towards work-life balance, happiness, and mental health. I mean, how do you prioritize your mental health while also managing a busy production house? You need all the time to separate yourself from what you're doing. And being an artist as well, this is very important. You need to just keep yourself busy with other things that it's completely irrelevant to the art scene or the production. So I'm a former horseback rider. I used to ride like my whole life professionally. So definitely horseback riding is one of those things. Lately, thanks to Nikki, she introduced me to golf as well. And yeah, and I got hooked, honestly. Like, okay, I love it. In golf, you need to use your brain, your mind, your mental uh, essence and everything. And you need to focus. So you feel like, like playing around a, an hour or something. So you feel like you're completely separated from the world outside. You're in another world. And uh, I only feel this feeling in two other things, whether horseback riding or music, like when I'm jamming with other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, which is, I don't know if it's weird for other people or not, but sometimes when I just take my car, put my favorite music, uh, listen to my engine and hear it and just cruise around all by myself, late night this is like therapy for me <laughs> like yeah I'm, I'm i'm fine now so um so, so golf yeah. horse horseback riding cruising around and then the yeah yeah so cars, horses all in one <laughs> yeah if we if we're gonna put it that way so golf horseback riding cars music and definitely films like going to the cinema but i consider this like part of my job as well to yeah. watch movies to watch films all the time but it's therapy as well. Yeah, a lot of times of I go to the cinema by myself and just watch. I can do like two, three films back to back, like fine. I, I have those days, like I go to the cinema, <laughs> just like watch two, three films back to back. That is, that honestly, that is quite an achievement. So next question is, what does happiness look like in your professional life? And how do you measure or achieve it? I think in, in, the, in the very simple form, for me, happiness in professional life, to be on set, this okay. is happiness. Like, yeah, to be on set. That's amazing. Yeah, no matter what we film, no matter what we do, being on set is a blessing for me. And I, I wake up every day and every morning and say, thank God that I'm doing this. I'm able to direct. No matter what I actually do direct, like sometimes I direct projects that I really don't want to, but it's kind of my job. Yeah, Yeah. commercially, I have to uh, uh, do my job and sometimes I'm directing a commercial advertising for a brand and I'm not convinced 100% with the concept, to be honest. I'm trying to put my effort and do my best to make it like in the best shape. 
But I'm a professional at the end of the day. It's like the football player. You just cannot pick which match that you're going to play or, and which match that, that you, you, you will not, right? So you are a professional and I'm a professional. This is my job. But so, it is nice to hear that happiness for you is being on set because yeah, that definitely. means like the, the measure of achieving that success is like, no, you, you've got this, like, this is your job. So yeah, the, yeah, the, like, my, like being able to say, I'm a film director with all the confidence, history, showreel, projects that I've done, this is huge for me. Because at, at some point in my life, I wanted to do that, and I was completely losing hope of doing that. Mm. I, I couldn't imagine like 15 years ago, when I wasn't an engineer actually, wearing an overall and <laughs> staying in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in the sea or the desert. Uh, if someone who told me there that you're going to be a film director in 15 years, you're going to be like giving workshops or a master class in film school, you're going to be like in a film festival walking the red carpet, I would say like, you're crazy. This is not going to happen. No, <laughs> look, 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 look around you. you. Now. I think yeah, this look is exactly you. what we want on this podcast. You yeah. changed your career. And you're living your dream. So yeah. it wasn't yeah. easy. It wasn't easy. It was very tough. It was very challenging. And it still it is, by the way. I'm I'm not saying like I got three Oscars and I've done it to the to the maximum. No. But you, you you're always able to change whatever you want. Mm. But you, but at the same time you have to pay the cost for that change. Yeah. Because that change comes yeah. with a cost. It's not for free. Of course. Yeah. And it was a huge risk as well. So thanks for sharing. That was really yeah. inspiring. To touch base a bit on creativity, your industry per se, and obviously your job comes a lot with creative brainstorming, or you have to get the, the creative ideas on paper. What do you do, especially in moments of high stress and creative blocks where you have to deliver towards a deadline to your clients? What strategies do you employ to find balance and rejuvenate your creativity and, and find that creativity maybe in the first instance? For this question, there's two answers. The first one is the professional answer and the uh, corporate answer. And the second answer is the reality of what I actually do. So which one do you want? <laughs> the reality, want please. The yeah. reality, yeah. yes. Okay, so the reality, the plan is actually no plan. All right. When I have a creative blockage, I just try to do anything that actually gets me out of that. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go outside, take my car, cruise. If it works, it works. If it does not, it does not actually work. So I need to try something else. Uh, I might go for a walk. I might take a shower because sometimes I get the idea in the shower. The thing okay. is, I, I always like try to look for an inspiration because the, the inspiration that actually what brought to you the idea. And the inspiration could be something completely irrelevant. Like, for example, you um, go to Old Town and you have a walk over there and you look at the people in their faces. I'm a good observer because this is part of my job. So I always observe the surroundings of the people, their, how they do things. I'm not trying to sneak on, on their conversations, definitely. But in a way, I'm trying always to observe. So sometimes these observations actually give me an inspiration and take away the blockage. So th there's no exact thing that you need to do when you have a blockage, but you just need to get out of the environment that you are in right now. 
no matter how you're going to do it. Yeah. yeah you, no yeah. matter how, how you're yeah. going to do it. If you're trying to think, get out of the office, shut your laptop and take your car and drive. You just need an idea. All, all, all the process after that, like putting this idea in a presentation or slides or whatever, this is a, a, a documentation. This is actually mm. office work that doesn't yeah. need creativity, right? But the idea itself, this is the, the hardest part. This is what you mm. need to look for all the time. So in order to find this idea, you need to get inspired. And in order to get inspired, you need to do things out of your comfort zone or the regular environment that Climate. you're staying in or living in or whatever, right? Even if it's a very, very tiny, small thing, like I'm not saying like, just take the next flight to uh, Maldives. I'm not saying that. But like mm. I said, you might go to a very humble old coffee shop and staying over there, have a, a cup of tea or a coffee and just look around, look at the people. Mm. But those people, they look so different from your environment or from the place that you used to live in, for example, right? No, but it's, it's very true and I can relate to that. I think it, it applies to any sort of industry you work in, uh, not just the creative industry. If you're lacking inspiration or even the, the motivation to do a task um, right now, but you don't feel comfortable in the environment you're in, might be the home office, the office, to your, all, all your points you were raising. I think it's really always the first thing you can always do is change your environment. Maybe that already sparks the, the creativity in yes. you and the, the willingness or motivation. And then mm. in addition, maybe you find over the, over the years and, and time, like things that stimulate you and they become your go-to to really get productive and not procrastinate. Yes. So no, thank, thanks for sharing. We, we're always doing a, a rapid fire question uh, coming to the closing of the podcast. And it's more, again, to get to know you a bit better. And the questions will only be a, a single word answer or just a couple of words answers. Okay. <laughs> so coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning person or are you night all? Sometimes morning, sometimes night. I don't know. <laughs> One book that changed your life. One book? That's that's so hard. Like there's so many, <laughs> not just one. I know. Maybe there's one book that you predominantly like, even though there might be many. No, but there's like no just one. Like I have many novels, books, and filmmaking okay. and cinematography. I just cannot name one. But if you take the question uh, in in the sense of movies, I can tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was about to pivot the question, so. <laughs> Best film you ever watched? The Godfather, <laughs> of course, trilogy. The Godfather, okay. Yeah, that's my all-time favorite, yeah. <laughs> Great. And then the last one, best advice you've ever received? Uh, life is tough, but you're actually tougher than life. So mm. you just need always to remember that, that you are, might be not in control, but you are, you are in control if you really want. Uh, as uh, even if it's like sounds silly, but it's it's the truth. Mm. But it's Very tough. It's tough, but you have to be like tougher than than, than anything in life. It's not gonna yeah. be easy. That the journey is not easy, and mm. if you really want this, you have to earn it. Like earn the part, mm. earn it. So for our last two closing questions, I guess we want you to reflect on your career path and the choices and advice you can give to our listeners. And the first question would be, given the career path you have taken, what advice would you offer someone at a career crossroad, uncertain about next steps? 
I will always say, like, you you just need the proper time to figure out yourself. You really need to understand who you are. You really need to understand what you want. This is the key. Like, the rest will be, will be in place if you really know that. Yeah? And that takes time. That's fine. But you just need to figure out who you are. If you are a corporate man, that's amazing. Because not everyone an artist not everyone is actually a businessman not everyone is an engineer or a doctor whatever right but you just need to know that you really want to do this i want to be a doctor you need to ask yourself why why do you want to be a doctor no matter what's the motivation it might be something out of the the world of medical whatever right right or the engineering world or the the low world but the thing is you have a very good reason for yourself of why you want to do this. What do you want to do? Why you want to do it? And how you're going to do it? This is afterwards. Mm. So I, I think this is the biggest question that you need to answer. And then the rest will fall in place. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. If you reflect and you look at your current life, is there one thing in the past that you would want to do different or that you nowadays think you could have done differently? Or... Do you think your choices in life so far, professionally at least, have really been the right ones and they kind of led you where you are now? Of course not. <laughs> I'm a human being, of course not. I've done like zillions of mistakes. <laughs> so no, no, I, I actually don't want to change anything in my life. I'm not going to say I love it the way it is. Of course not, because there are like many things that happened to me in my life that I would like to do it in a different way or maybe take another decision to make it better. But mm. fact is, I really don't want to do this right now because everything happened in my life that actually counts and made me who I am right now, the wrong decisions even before the right ones. And I believe in the process and I believe in doing things the wrong way so I learn, so I make it better in the future. And I believe in consistency of doing things. Like it's all about consistency and persistence. Mm. So no, I don't want to change anything, even the things that I hate, or even the things that I did wrong, or even the things that happened to me without my own will, because this is life. But no, I'm not going to change it. No. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you, Amar. Thank it's you been an absolute pleasure having you on the Growth Garden. Thank you for sharing your insights and your advice to our listeners, and actually to us. <laughs> and <laughs> we generally much. hope that our listeners enjoyed this episode of The Growth Garden. Thank you, Amar, also from my side. And a big thank you to all our listeners uh, for joining us today. And please like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Instagram and TikTok. And until next time, and keep cultivating your growth journey. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. Pleasure. In today's episode, we had great learnings from Amar, and we wanted to quickly summarize what we've uh, taken away for us too, at least for Nikki and myself. So I think the first thing we learned about today was that a career start can always be in a very different industry than where you might have started. And then if you feel like the industry that you're in is not the industry you want to be in, remember, you can change your career path and you can just go for it for whatever you're passionate about. And then find something that you can actually do outside of your day-to-day -day job that you can use as an outlet, such as golf or horseback riding, as Amar was sharing with us today. 
And then we really like the quote, life is hard, but you are stronger than life. Maybe we should all embrace that and have a think about it once we are facing again challenges and are not as fulfilled in our everyday life.